Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Hey, if you got your Bibles with you, let's look at the Gospel of John. Gospel of John chapter 4. We'll start there today. And we're talking about worship this morning. This is a an idea we picked up and we talked about during camp, and I'm going to talk about that today as well. Let's give it up for Haas, though. Haas, the pillar of the church, the city set on a hill that cannot be shaken. Master drummer extraordinaire. He did a great job at camp. Let's give it up for Haas one more time. He needs love. He's the most honorable one among us. Hey, he fell, he fell in the volleyball game, and uh, Haas doesn't fall. Haas doesn't fall, but he, he kind of fell in the volleyball game. And I said, if the pillar's shaken, then what can the rest of us do? If he has fallen, then what is the hope for the rest of us? But anyways, he, he got back up. He picked his feet up and he got back in that game. But we thank you, Haas, for being the pillar you are and a great drummer. And we appreciate it. All right. John 4 and verse 19. We'll start here. We're talking about worship today. It starts with Jesus in this discussion he's having with the Samaritan woman and she says sir the woman said you must be a prophet so tell me why it is that the Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we were Samaritans claim that is here on Mount Gerzim where our ancestors worshiped and notice Jesus response he said believe me dear woman the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the father on this mountain or in Jerusalem You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. Now, here's the key verses we're looking for. And Jesus says this, but the time is coming, and that was 2,000 years ago, and he says, indeed, it's here now. So it it started 2,000 years ago, that this transition in worship was going to happen. And he says, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit, And in truth, the father, notice this, is looking for those who will worship him that way. Verse 24, for God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So if you're you're taking notes today, the title of my message is True Worshipers. True Worshipers. So, We're going to talk about worship this morning, and so I need to lay a little bit of groundwork for this, but this is how my mind works and my heart works, and uh, we might be here a while. I'm joking. You really don't want to know everything? No, okay. But when it comes to preaching, God will give me a thought or an idea or a verse, and then it will start just growing on me, growing on me, growing on me. So a lot of times I'll think I'm going to preach one message on this. And then once I preach that message, it grows, turns into two messages and three messages and four messages. And so that's kind of what happened around camp time. I preached about worship at camp and I thought, okay, I'm done talking about that. But then God kept growing this idea. And so that's why we're going to talk about worship today. So I need to say a couple things to lay the groundwork for where we're going this morning. First of all, what is worship? Well, the, the most basic definition of worship is this. It's an expression of reverence and adoration to someone or something. Worship is an expression 
of reverence or adoration to someone or something. And specifically, when we're talking about worship in the church, we're talking about worship to God. So you give God your, your reverence, your honor, but you also give him your adoration, your love, your affection. That is what the definition of worship is. But the Bible gives a broader definition of worship than just reverence and adoration. Really, worship is whatever you love. It's whatever has your heart, has your mind, has your desires. It's what you pour your life into. You pour your money into, your gifts, your talents, your energy. It's what you pour yourself out onto constantly is whatever you worship. So, so worship is not just what we just did. That's a part of worship, but that's not the only part of worship. Worship is whatever you do all week long that you give your love to, you give your affection to, you give your thoughts to, you give your desires to, you give your time to, your money to, your energy to, and you pour yourself out onto something or someone. And a lot of times, even for believers, it's not God. But God created us all worshipers in here. All of us are worshipers. And the truth is this, that every person on the planet is a worshiper, whether they believe in God or not. Everyone is. Because God created you that way. We are all worshipers. We were all designed and created to pour our lives out onto something or someone. We were, we were designed to give our love and adoration in our heart to something or someone. That's the way we were designed and created. We were created worshipers. So, so it's not a question if you are a worshiper or you're not a worshiper. The question is, what are you worshiping? Because we're all worshipers. Now, this is part of the groundwork for where I'm going today. So let's turn to Romans 1 and verse 20 through 25. Now, I'm laying this foundation to talk about what we really want to talk about this morning. This is some of the things I shared at camp. But let's look, read what it says in Romans 1 and 20. It says, Forever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his divine power in nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but this is what they did. This is what we all do but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. Sounds like the news stations, right? Yeah, it's a worship issue. And instead of worshiping, listen to this, the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. In verse 24, so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their heart desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. Verse 25, key verse for today. This is what the Apostle Paul says as a Roman church, and we're still dealing with this issue today. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped, because we're all worshipers, and served things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. So everyone is a worshiper. 
We are all worshiping something, someone, whether it's the creator or a created thing. Whether it's the gift giver or if it's the gift that God gave us. We're believing either the truth or a lie, but everyone is a worshiper. Now, now for a lot of us, especially Christians, we try to avoid the big, bad, evil, demonic things to worship. You know what I'm saying? But that doesn't mean we still don't have a worship issue because for most people, the worship issue is not you doing some pagan sacrifices to an idol at your house. You're beyond that. But for most of us in here, it's taking the good gift that God gave us and putting it in a place in our hearts that only God should be. And most of us have that issue because we take the gifts that God gave us and we start worshiping the gift instead of the one who gave us the gift. Now, now it could be anything like money. Like money's a good thing. Like that's a gift from God, but most people don't know how to balance that. And so they instead take that gift that God gave them and they put it in the place of God in their life and start worshiping that. And they start changing because of that. Now, now sex is a good gift from God. It was created by God, but, but most people put it in the, the God category instead of the gift category. But it's just a gift. It's not God. A lot of us in here will take our career or even our kids or our entertainment and put it in the place that should be a place for God. Instead, we treat those gifts that God gave us like they are God. And the Bible says we're either worshiping the creator or something that he created, even good stuff. Now, it's important that we know this because God is looking for true worshipers. True worshipers are one that worship God and God alone and put everything else in their life, good things, great things, things that are fun, things that bring you joy that God gave us to enjoy. That's what the Bible says. God gives us richly all things to enjoy, but not richly all things to worship. And we, we, we need to put God in his proper place in our life, which is the, the source and center of our affection, of our love, of our reverence, of our life being poured out to. And we put the rest of the things where they belong as their good gifts that God gave us. Because we're all worshipers. We were made that way. So this is what happens in John 4. We just read it. There's a Samaritan woman there. And she's asking Jesus questions, and it starts even before this passage, and she's asking questions at the well, and he's talking about, I can give you living water, and she says, what are you talking about? I'm at the well. You don't even have a bucket, dude. And he's like, I'm not even talking about that kind of water. I'm talking about supernatural water, water that once you drink this, you'll never thirst again. Because when you taste and see that he is good, when you drink of him, you will never be thirsty again. Trust me, if you, if you serve and worship other things other than God, you'll still be thirsty. You'll still be hungry. You'll still be wanting for more. That's why you got to keep doing it and doing it and doing it. But once you taste and see, I'm preaching better than you're responding on this summer morning. I'll light a firework if I need to in here. But once you taste and see that he is good and you drink from the real source of life, you'll never thirst again. 
And then he's, she's talking to Jesus, and she's like, says something about uh, her husband. He goes, you ain't got a man. And then she's like, that's right. And then he said, actually, you had five husbands. I'm like, okay, Jesus, you about to get thrown up in this well right now. And then that's where it starts in the verse. She says, well, you are a prophet, because how would you know that? I don't know you. And he, he tells her her life and her history and her story. And he goes on and says this about worship, that God is not looking for worship at a specific place, at a specific building, like this building. God bless this building, but worship is bigger than this building. God's not looking for worship at, at a mountain or an altar or a place on the earth. The kind of worship that God is looking for is a genuine worship that is full of spirit and truth. That's who God's looking for. He's looking for true worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth. And not wait till they get to the place to worship, but like their life is worship. That's real worship. Like many people are like, I'm waiting for the worship service. You could have been having that all week. And actually in reality, you are having a worship service all week. God might just not be the focus of that worship service. I was even thinking about this, and um, I said this at camp, but then I thought about it later. I was saying, like, you know, there's a reason we call it worship music, because when we worship, it's supposed to get our attention and our love back on the one we should have been worshiping all week and, and get our heart in the right place. But in reality, wait for this, all music is worship music. All music is worship music. Because anyone in the song that they're singing, they're talking about what they worship, what they love. Could be drugs, could be sex, could be a car they're driving, could be whatever. But all music really is worship music, not just Christian worship music. Because we're all worshipers. Now, I want to talk the rest of this service about what God is looking for in true worshipers. Now, I'm going to need your response a little bit. I can tell the people that went to camp are with me, and the rest of you are super cold right now. So if we could change that, that would be wonderful for both you and I. And um, because we all need this message today. Now, by the end of this message, we're going to have a time of worship at the end, and I really feel like that God wants to do some things in you. But we need to talk about true worship. What is true worship? Well, true worship to God the Bible says in this passage in John 4 is a worship that God is looking for. He's looking for people like this. And it's a worship that comes from your spirit and in truth. That's what he says, spirit and in truth. But the first thing I want to talk about pertaining to true worship is true worship is holistic. Huh. Now that's a buzzword. I realize we're not at Rainbow Blossom today. But, now I shop there, so no shade. I get supplements there. And quinoa. Well, I don't eat quinoa, but if I did, that's where I would go. But hear me this morning, true worship is holistic. Now let me explain to you what I mean by that. True worship is holistic. Now in the medical field and wellness people, wellness doctors, which I've been to a lot of them, they always talk about being holistic. What does that mean? That means that 
you as a person are interconnected, every part of you. Like a lot of times traditional doctors you go to and they just talk about your physical body. But majority of time, the physical body is not the root of those issues. A lot of times the root of those issues are a soul problem or a spirit problem that ends up in a physical situation. And, and so, you know, I like to go to a doctor who's going to talk about the whole person, holistic, because they got to get to every part of you because that's who you are. You're not a compartmentalized person. You're a spirit, soul, and body, but you're all one person. And, and, and the wellness doctors want you to be well holistically. If you're going to be healthy, you need to be holistic in your approach to health. But God, with our worship, wants us to be holistic. That means he doesn't want us to just worship him in our spirit and leave our soul and our body out of the worship. Because that's not true worship to God. If it's true worship to God, it's holistic. It's our spirit, but also our soul, which is our mind, our will, and emotion, and our body, and our entire life is a part of this worship, if it's real. Because that's what God is looking for. Not a compartmentalized worship like, I worship you on Sunday mornings, but the rest of the week I do what I want to do. That's not worship. Holistic worship is all of your spirit, your soul, and your body worshiping God in all the areas of your life. So your career, your home, your church life, it's all holistic. That you're not a different person outside of church, outside of your job, but you're holistic. You worship God at all places and spirit, soul, and body. Now, let me give you a verse for that. It's a verse that we usually don't read for worship, but it talks about worship. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Notice what it says. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. To give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a holy and living sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. Listen to this. This is truly the way to worship him. Verse 2. He's still talking about worship. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So these verses that we a lot of times quote for different reasons actually have to talk about worship. Why? Because worship is holistic. Worship is not just your spirit. Now, your spirit's the most important part of you. That's your heart. But true worship comes out in the way you treat your body. Come on, Mickey D's. Come on now, somebody. I had it after camp, and I repented afterwards. <laughs> Have you ever repented after fast food? Raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. You're like, God, why did I do this? It's like that verse in Proverbs, like a, like a pig returns to its vomit. <laughs> had to do it every once in a while. Charles knows what this is like. A good Mickey D's every once in a while. You think, I'm about to preach. You think it will satisfy your wants and needs, and you see that cheeseburger and fries, and then you're like, why did I do this? Why did I do this? Anyways. Worship is holistic, so worship is your spirit, but the Bible also says that worship is you giving your body to God as a living sacrifice. That's worship. Not just this is worship, 
But, but you treating your body right Monday through Saturday is worship. You not sleeping around is worship to God. You doing what's right with your body is just as much worship as you praying in, the, in tongues is worship. Because worship is holistic. And then he said, this is the way to worship him. And he's still talking about worship. And then the next verse he says, because you're worshiping, you're not going to just do something with your spirit and your body, but then you're going to take God's word and put it in your mind. And you're going to be changed in the way you think. That's worship too. Once again, a lot of times we have such a narrow view of what worship is or what it isn't. But God says true worship is holistic. It's all of you, spirit, soul, and body. So you singing a song to worship to God is worship, yes. But you treating your body right and doing what's right with your body is worship. You getting on God, into God's word on a Tuesday afternoon and renewing your mind is worship. Because true worship is holistic. Spirit, soul, body, every part of your life. Listen to this quote by A.W. Tozer about worship. He says, if you do not worship God seven days a week, you do not worship him one day a week. There is no such thing known in heaven as Sunday worship. Unless it's accompanied by Monday worship, Tuesday worship, Wednesday worship, and so on. He said this, God is looking for people that will worship him. He wants worshipers. If you go to church once a week, nobody will pay attention. But if you worship God seven days a week, you become strange. Why? Because true worship is holistic. It's all of you, spirit, soul, and body. That's worship to God. And letting God be in every part of your life. You don't have a church life, your social life, your gym life, your school life, your career life, your friends over here life. Then your other group of friends, you don't tell this group of friends about life. No, your worship to God is holistic. It, it, it gets into every part of your life and every part of you, spirit, soul, and body. Are you following me today? The next thing... I want to share with you is this, and we're going to talk about these three thoughts the rest of the time, is true worship is from the heart. True worship is from the heart. Now, David in the Bible is going to come up a lot in the next little bit of this message because he is the worshiper of worshipers in the Bible. It says about David, because we're talking about true worship comes from your heart. David in the Bible, King David, who wrote the book of Psalms, David and Goliath, same David. It says that David was a man after God's own heart. Why was he a man after God's own heart? Because David, more than anything his whole life, was a worshiper. In the bad times, he was a worshiper. In the good times, he was a worshiper. When he messed up, he was a worshiper. When everything was going right, he was a worshiper. When he lost his son, he was still a worshiper. And there's something about David in his life that kept him with God and made his life to be the one it was created to be. And that's why David, we're still talking about probably more than any other Old Testament person, was David because David was a worshiper. 
And he was a man after God's own heart. It says when they went to David's house and they were looking for the next king, he went through all the brothers. There was the tall brother who played basketball. You know, the Antonio Ballard looking brother. Good looking brother. Can play ball. And he, they said, you know, this has to be the king. And then it wasn't him. And then there was the second brother who was, who was, you know, educated and well able to do it. And he says, it's not him. And they went to the third and the fourth and the fifth brother. And then finally the prophet said to David's dad, Jesse, is there any other sons? And he didn't even bring him into the house because he was thinking, David is the runt of the family. He's out there with the sheep, picking up sheep turds as a job. But you know something about David? When everybody else was in the house doing what they were doing, looking at themselves in the mirror, thinking about how big and bad and awesome they were and looking at their education and looking at about their good looks and looking about their athletic abilities and looking about their ability to be king. David was out with the sheep with his little banjo singing worship songs to God. And you know what God said? I can use somebody like that because he's a worshiper from his heart. Come on, I'm helping you today if you're listening. Because God's looking from worshipers who have his heart. Come on now today. True worship comes from the heart. And this is what they said about David. Man looks out the outside appearance. But guess where God looks at the heart? He's looking for your heart. Listen to me this morning. He's not looking at the way you're dressed when you come in here to see whether he can use you or not. He's looking at your heart. He's not looking at how well you can sing today if you're a good worshiper or not. He's looking at your heart. He's not looking whether you're perfect or not. He's looking at your heart. And that's the kind of true worship that God is looking for. He's looking for a man and a woman after his own heart. God says he's looking for worshipers that will worship him in spirit. That's heart in truth. Worship him in spirit. What is the spirit? The spirit is the heart of man. The real you on the inside. God's looking for worshipers that got his heart. Man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. That's what he cares about in worship. When you come in here and you, we worship God, he's not looking at anything but your heart. Outside the four walls of the church throughout the week when you worship God, he's not looking at anything but your heart. Doesn't matter what you look like or what you did last night. He's looking at your heart. And he can work with people that he has their heart. You know, I, I would take messed up people with the right heart over religious people all day long. Because God can work with people like that. You're still smoking? You want to come to church? Come on. If he's got your heart, that will get worked out eventually. You got a drinking problem, you're coming to church, but he's got your heart? I don't care. God will get that worked out. You're, you're struggling with sexual addiction and sexual issues? I don't care. If God has your heart, that will get worked out. I don't want a bunch of religious people that God doesn't even have their heart in the first place. They're more dangerous than a sinner. 
No, God's looking for people that has his heart. Man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. And I'm going to give you a verse for that. Lest you think I'm just making this up. Jesus said himself in the Gospels, the religious people of that day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the the top of the top, the pastors and leaders that had it all together, and and they read the scriptures, and, and they worshiped God, and they gave sacrifices. And Jesus said to the religious people that day, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Why? Because God's always been looking for the heart. That's what matters to God. True worship is from your heart. Listen, don't be so concerned about how you're living, what you're doing. If he's got your heart, it will get worked out. It will. If he's got your heart, he will work with you. The Holy Spirit will convict you, and he'll give you the power and desire to overcome all those things in your life. He's just looking for your heart. He's not looking for religious people. He's not looking for people that are dressed a certain way or talk a certain way. True worship is from the heart. And that's what God is looking for. He's looking throughout the whole earth for people who has the heart towards him. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for those who worship in spirit and in truth. You with me so far today? Listen to what. David said in the Psalm, Psalm 86, 12, I will praise you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify your name forever. David said, I will praise you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart, all my passion, all my energy, with all my heart. That's how David was a man after God's own heart. Because that's where he worshiped from, in spirit, and in truth. You still with me today? So, the next thing about worship I want to share is true worship is honest. It's honest. Since when God's looking for worship, he's looking for worshipers in spirit and in truth, in honesty. I'm going to share some things about this and hopefully challenge you, but, but God does not bless the fake you. He blesses the real you. He doesn't anoint the fake you. He anoints the real you, the honest you, the real you. And it says that those that God is looking for, the true worshipers, will worship him in spirit and in truth. Those who are honest with God. Now, this is what I've seen in my life in the church world that a lot of times we'll get into extremes. So I I can see in this passage, it it means actually two things I can sense here that, that when God says to worship him in spirit and in truth, truth or honesty can mean, first of all, I'm honest when I come to God about how I'm really doing what I'm really going through and, and honest about who I am. That's one part of it, but also spirit and truth that when I get into God's presence, I can proclaim God's truth about who he is and what he's done. That's worship that God is looking for, worship in spirit 
and in truth, but, but not just truthful about where I'm at and what I'm struggling with and I need help with, but truthful enough to tell God who he is and what he's done and what you believe he's going to do in your life, speaking God's truth. We worship in spirit and in truth. And, and this is the extremes I've seen in the church world, if I could tell you for a second. We have, we have people more in our camp, in our company, faith people. They, they err on this side that, that you just got to speak the truth, God's word. Just speak God's truth. Speak God's truth. Don't ever say you got to struggle. Don't ever say you got an issue. Don't ever bring it up to God or anybody else. Don't say it. Bad confession. And I get that. But then they just never tell God how they're actually doing. And the help that they actually need, that would be the same thing as you went to a doctor and you needed help physically. And the doctor said, what's wrong with you? And like, I'm good. Praise God. Bless God. I'm great. Then why are you here? You're sitting in a doctor's office. And that's what a lot of Christians do. But guess what? If you don't ask God for help, you ain't getting no help. So this is one extreme, but then here's the other side of the church world right here. They're, I'm just going to be honest about the way I feel. So every time they talk to God, it's a, a big pile of complaints. So God is like, I'm depressed and I'm anxious and God, I hate my life and this and that. And guess what? If you stay here, you'll be stuck the rest of your life. God says he's wanting you to worship in spirit and truth. So it's not this extreme or this extreme, it's not either or, it's both and. God wants you to, when you get into his presence, to be truthful about where you are, but then follow it up with the truth of who he is. And that's worshiping him in spirit and in truth. And we need more honest Christians when they, they get together and they pray and they talk to God to tell them, this is what's really going on in my life and I need some help. Kind of like the example that David gave all throughout the Psalms. And if you read the book of Psalms, that's what he would also do. He would, he would talk to God, but he would tell God, hey, I'm struggling with this and, and I feel anxious about this and, and I need some help in this area. And God, I'm mad at that one guy, knock his teeth out. That's what it says. Don't act like you're above it, that you haven't thought it in prayer before. We probably said it in prayer like, God, either you're going to knock his teeth out or I'm going to knock his teeth out. But either way, whatever you want to do. But David would pray prayers about telling God his heart and being honest and truthful with God, which more of us need to be so we can actually get some help in our life. But then every time if you read the book of Psalms, am I too much for you today? I'm sorry, I haven't seen you in two weeks. I'm sorry if I'm a little excited. I'm like a puppy when you come home and you haven't seen him for a while. <laughs> okay. But if you read the book of Psalms, he never stopped and stayed here. Now, this was a part of his prayer life, but he didn't just be honest and truthful about what he was going through. He would always talk to God and be truthful and worship and, and tell God what he's dealing with. Why? Because he wanted help. But then if you read the Psalms, by the end of every chapter, he would go and say, but God, I believe you're my deliverer. But God, I believe you're my healer. But God, I believe you're going to come rescue me. But God, I believe that you're big and you're, you're grand and you're wonderful and you're powerful and you can do all things he worshiped him in truth. And that's what our worship life should look like too. 
We can be honest with God and truthful about what we're going through, but don't stay there. We go over here, and by the time we're done, we speak God's truth. And we proclaim it about who he is and what he's done and what he's doing and what you believe for him to be in your life, worshiping him in truth. Are you with me today? It's not either or, it's both and. We're not going to get in this ditch and be the confession police for everybody. But we're also not going to get in this ditch and every time we talk to God and each other, it's like, I'm struggling with this, I'm going through this. Okay, once you talked about it, let's start speaking some God's truth over that, that in your life. But you can't get help unless you're honest enough to tell God, I need your help. That's one of the, the best things about singing worship songs at church. You come in here and you sing these songs and what are they, what are they doing? They're reminding you of God's truth about who he is, about what he's done, about what he can do in your life. You're reminding yourself of God's truth when you sing worship songs to him. You're worshiping him in spirit and in truth. And how many know we all need to be reminded of that? That's why it's so important you listen to good Christian Worship music that has some lyrics that will help you and speak God's truth. Because it reminds you of who God is and what he's done and what he wants to do in your life. And it gets your perspective in the right place. He's looking for worshipers that will be honest and truthful enough to say how they really are but truthful enough to speak what God is doing in their life. True worship is honest. The last thing I want to share is true worship is expressive. It's expressive. Now, this is so important that we talk about this. True worship is expressive. Now, David, once again, in the book of Psalms, in the Old Testament, he was a man after God's own heart, and he was the worshiper of worshipers. And David was expressive. I was listening to uh, Keith Moore recently, and he was talking about the nation of Israel and why did God choose them? Out of all people, why did God choose Israel? And Keith Moore said that God told him that I chose Israel because they were expressive souls. And you read throughout the Old Testament, God's people were expressive. Like, like when they grieved the heart of God, everybody's wearing sackcloth and ashes and, and crying out to God. Like, like when they were doing a praise party, like they were getting down. Like when they had a feast, they knew how to celebrate the goodness of God. When, when, they, when they messed up, they cried before God. When they were celebrating God's goodness, they were laughing and dancing, and, and they were shouting, and they were playing instruments. These people in the Old Testament, God's people, Israel, were expressive people. That's why God could use them. And true worship, if it's true, worship is expressive. David was very expressive. Now, 
a quote from uh, Dr. Ed Dufresne. He said, you get more from God when you respond more to him. Or we could say you get more from God when you express yourself to God. There's a principle in the scriptures that says when we respond to God, he responds to us. When, when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. When we respond and are expressive in our worship, that God meets us there. All throughout the Bible, in the book of Psalms and other places, there's different words for worship and the different expressions they had. And some of the words were for, for dance, for shout, for to lay down, to kneel. Some were to play an instrument, some were to rejoice, some were to laugh, some were to cry, some were to run, some were to be in silence, some were to just express themselves to God in an expressive way in worship. And I, and I feel strongly about this, not just in my personal life, but in the life of our church. We have stopped being expressive in worship. But a true worshiper is not just somebody that God has their heart. It's not somebody that God can just trust them that they're going to be honest and truthful with them. But they're expressive. David was expressive. Now I'm going somewhere with this. True worship to God will mean there's going to be a response. There will be an expression of love and passion to God. But, you know, I, I want to deal with this right here because as a church family, and I fully agree with this. We want to be a, a church, and I said this earlier, that people seeking God and new to God feel welcome to come. Yeah. I, I'm 100% for that. And that's the way our church is always going to be. But we don't need to temper our passion level for the sake of somebody new and seeking God. Because actually what they need to see that's actually attractive is somebody that cares. It's somebody that's expressive. It's somebody that's passionate. And a real move of God and real expressiveness in worship will not turn people off from church. It should bring people into the house of God. So yes, if you're new here, if you're seeking God, keep coming and coming and coming. But we're not going to dumb down our expression to God because of you. Because you need it. And I need it. And our expressiveness to God will open doors for other people. We'll set the atmosphere for other people. That healings can take place. And deliverance can take place. And answers can come. And the atmosphere changes. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Not where all the people in church are like, I don't want to scare anybody away. The only person you're scaring away is the Holy Ghost. Because you're all so cold and dead and acting like you don't care. No, the Bible says draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Come close to God and he'll come close to us. But guess who has to move first? Us. 
through expressive worship. I didn't say out of control worship. I said expressive worship. I'm preaching about this because you're not even close to crossing the line. I'm not scared anything's going to happen today. (laughs) This is what I don't get. Let me get up on my soapbox right now. Because I haven't seen y'all in two weeks. Why do we think in the church world, by people acting that way, it's going to turn people off, when in other parts of society, it doesn't? Hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. Why can you go to a basketball game or a football game and no one will think twice about it? People are shaving their chest. Don't do that. Painting themselves blue and gold and green and have a cheese head. What are they doing at those games? They're expressive because they're worshipers. And what are those people doing? They're jumping up and down. No one's turned off by that at the game. They're taking laps. They're dumping beer on their friend. They're shouting. They're singing. They're dancing. They're laughing. If they lose, they're crying. At a football game or basketball game, and nobody says, you need to calm down your expressiveness because it might turn other people off. Am I right or am I right? But yet we see that in the church world, y'all need to calm down or or new people won't get it. They get it at the game. And actually it's encouraged, not discouraged at the game. But what do they know? They know the expressive people are the ones who are in love with their team. hear me this morning. If you can wear a cheese hat for a football player, if you can jump for a basketball player, if you can take a lap for a free purse on Black Friday, if you can dance and scream and shout to a Netflix show, you can show some love and passion for God. Let's stop acting like it's weird in church. Why isn't it weird at the football game? Why isn't it weird at the basketball game? It's normal. Why? Because they're in love. And people that are in love are expressive. Well, I'm not that way. That's why your relationships stink. Because nobody wants somebody who's not expressive and says they're in love. No, if you're in love and you're passionate about something, you are expressive. True worship is expressive. I didn't say putting on a show. I didn't say being out of control at church. Trust me, no one's close. I'd let you know. But God is looking for heartfelt worship. He's looking for truthful, honest worship, but he's also looking for expressive worship. And it's not the same for everybody. Some of you lifting your hands and just singing a song is a step of faith. And I'll take that. That could be your level of expression. I'm okay with that, but you got to do something. Real love and worship is expressive. David was expressive. Same, same thing. If you go to 
a concert, let's just say country concert, rap concert, whatever it is. No one would think twice if you're jumping around, if you're dancing, if you're laughing, if it's a country song, you're crying, you're drinking your beer, you got your arm around your friends, you got your cowboy boots on, you got your cut-off jean shorts, you got your cut-off flannel with the shirt's sleeves cut out and it nice and wide open in your cowboy hat. No one would think twice about you responding in a situation like that. But yet in the church we're like, oh, y'all need to calm down. Might run the new people off. Who are you trying to offend? And who are you trying to impress? Our lack of response is offending the Holy Spirit. Trust me, if it's done the right way in the Holy Spirit, it will bring people closer to God, not away from God. Passion is attractive. Love is attractive. Expressing ourselves to something and someone that has changed our life and has healed our bodies and is the only one worth being praised and honored. It's not going to push people away from God. It's going to bring people closer to God. I don't know what I ate last night that made me this way today, but just receive it. You know, there's one time in David's life, you know, David was a worshiper his whole life. But there was times in his life that David kind of got away from that. And then he would go back. But one of those times was when he was a king. He had gotten into this position of leadership. And he wasn't at the worship parties like he used to be. But then there was something that happened. The Bible says that the Ark of the Covenant, which was the type of God's presence, came back into Jerusalem. And when God's presence was coming back to God's house and to God's people, when David saw God's presence, it said he danced before the Lord with all his might. And it even says his wife at that time was embarrassed by him because he was the king. And you know what he said? If you got a problem with it, I'll dance even harder. You know why? Because God is worthy of my worship. He's worthy of my passion. He's worthy of my expressiveness. He's worth this energy. He's worth this response. He's worth this worship. I'm not going to be ashamed of him when I wouldn't be ashamed at the basketball game and I wouldn't be ashamed at the country concert and I wouldn't be ashamed at this other event. I'm not going to be ashamed of the God that I worship. And I'm going to be expressive to him because God's looking for expressive worshipers. Expressiveness. That's what God's looking for. But then here's, here's the thing that I know a lot of you will say. Well, Pastor, I get it. But I'm just, I don't feel it like you feel it. I don't feel it like you feel it, Pastor. So, so I'm just not like that. I'm not wired that way. First of all, lie. 
The first thing is you assume that I always feel it. Sometimes I don't feel like preaching. Sometimes I don't feel like worshiping. But guess what? When I move, God moves. When I step out, then his presence shows up. When I lift my hands, then his peace comes. When I start jumping, then his joy comes. When I move, God moves. I don't have to always feel it because I know if I do something, the feelings will come. Hear this verse right here, James 4 and 8. We're still talking about worship being expressive. Draw near to God and what he will draw near to you. Let's read it in the Passion. Move your heart closer and closer to God, and guess what will happen? He will come even closer to you. So back to the comment about I don't, I don't feel it, Pastor. That's why I don't, I don't express myself in worship because I don't feel it. Well, the Bible says that we move towards God, then he moves towards us. We step out in faith and then he meets us there. We get closer to God and he comes closer to us, meaning we have to do something first. But, but listen to this. This is from Eugene Peterson, the writer of the Message Bible about worship. He says, we think if we don't feel something, then there can be no authenticity in doing it. Hear me. But the wisdom of God says something different, that we can act ourselves into a, a new way of feeling much quicker than we can feel ourselves into a new way of acting. Worship is not a feeling for God then expressed in an act of worship. Worship is an act that develops feelings for God. So those of you who say, I don't feel it, well, guess what? Worship is not, I get the, the goosebumps and the tinglies, and then I worship. Worship is true worship. I start worshiping, then the feelings start coming. I start expressing myself, then the joy comes. I start doing something, then God's peace meets me. I start stepping out, and when I move, God moves. When I draw, God draws. When I come close, he comes close. So anytime we ever tell ourselves, I just don't feel it and that's not me, that's not really true. Because you have to act and do something for those feelings to be stirred up. Now, trust me, there will be times that you do feel it. You come in and you're like, you had a great week, you got a raise, you're like, I'm ready to praise. <laughs> but, I've also seen some of the rest of us on other weeks, and it's noticeable. Now, what are you doing right then? I get it. I feel that. You're acting based off your feelings whether he's worthy of being worshipped. You're saying, well, I don't feel it, so I don't want to be non-authentic, my real self. How many things in your life do you do that you don't feel that you should be doing? If we went by that, you would be sitting in your bed eating Haggadahs, watching Pride and Prejudice the rest of your life. Miss Donna. Inappropriate movie. No, I'm joking. 
Since when are our feelings the highest form of truth in the world? We're not going to do it because we don't feel it. You don't feel like having kids, but guess what? You got to do something the next day if you had them. Sometimes you don't feel like being married. Sometimes you don't feel like going to work. Sometimes you won't feel like worshiping, but it's still the right thing to do. And when you do it, then God meets you there. Worship is not a feeling for God expressed in worship. Worship is an act that develops feelings for God. That means the more you worship, the more you feel it. The more you give, it, give yourself to it, the more you'll enjoy it. The more that you express yourself, the more God will move in your life. Or you could just sit there at church or at home or in the car and just be like, I don't feel anything. Are you singing? No. Is your heart engaged? No. Duh, no wonder you don't feel anything. Are you lifting your hands? No. On that one song, and Amos was like, let's get excited and jump. Did you jump? No. Because I didn't feel it. Okay, well, then you're not going to feel what you should have felt because you didn't do anything. Worship is expressive. It's expressive. Am I too much for you today? <laughs> True worship is expressive. And, I, and I'm really going to close because I know you can't take much more of me today. But this morning as your pastor, I got to let you know, the times you don't feel like worshiping, are the times you need to worship more than ever. So if we're going to base it off of that, we're going to miss those opportunities every time. The times that I don't feel like lifting hands, it's the time I need to lift my hands up. The time I don't feel like jumping, is the time I need to jump. The time I don't feel like singing the worship song, is the time I need to do it. Because God is trying to do something in my life. But I got to get past my feelings and express my worship to him. Then the feelings will come. Then the joy will come. Then the peace will come. Then God's move will come. But I got to move so God will move. So the word says. When we come close to God, he comes close to us. Something special about worship, it does something different than your prayer life and your time in God's word will do. There's something special about worship. There really is. Something special about worship. Brother Daryl, could you come play for a second? And I'm going to close. You know, I was thinking about this People that I have seen get through very tough situations are not just people that have, to have their head down and it's like, oh, I need to get in the word. Word, 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 word. But the bigger quality I see in them is they're worshipers. Yeah, you need the word. I believe in the word. You need to study it. But there's something about worship. When you worship, it says that God's presence comes in the middle of your circumstance. When you worship, God's peace comes. God's joy comes. God's ability comes in that situation. And I've seen people overcome traumatic things because they were a worshiper. They were a worshiper. Now, I know there's been times at the park 
And there's been times walking by myself that, that I prayed everything I can pray and I've read everything I can read and I still need help. You know, the thing that can help me more than anything is I worship. Is that I worship. Is that I worship. It doesn't have to be pretty. A lot of times it's ugly. Y'all give them an ugly praise. You know that? Like the ugly cry. <laughs> but you know what? God loves that kind of worship. It says he inhabits the praise of his people. And there's something about worship that God's presence just comes in a different way than in prayer and the word. And I love all of them, but, but worship is different. It's different. You know, um, and I'll say this about you, Jess. You know, Jess has been through a lot of things, but I know the things that brought you through is worship. Hard things, difficult things. And yes, the word works and prayer works, but there's something about a worshiper. There's something about a worshiper that's different. There's something that heals you in God's presence. There's something that changes you in God's presence. And if you can go through stuff and not lose your worship, man, you can't be stopped. If on your worst days you can still worship, man, you can't be stopped. The devil doesn't know what to do with somebody like that. You know, once again, sometimes you think, well, pastor, you always feel it. You act like you feel it. You running around jumping, stomping your feet up there but I don't. Now, once I start moving to God, I do feel it. I feel it right now. But you know, two days after my mom died, I was standing right here just last year and I didn't feel like worshiping. I didn't feel like preaching, but I did both that day. You know Why? Because he's worth my worship. And you know, when I started worshiping, my feelings started to change. The Bible says, put on the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. And when I started worshiping that day, I lifted my hands. And God's presence met me there. But you know what I could have done? And I could have left that day depressed like I came in. Based off my feelings. And that same day I got up to preach. Now I'm not saying this because I'm a, I'm a hero and I did something big. I did what I was supposed to do that day. And then when I started preaching, I didn't cry. I just preached the message I was called to preach. And the anointing hit me there. But I had to step out and do something first. I had to move first. I had to express myself to God because that's what true worship is. And you need 
to be mature enough spiritually that you can go through stuff and you don't throw your worship out the window. You don't throw your worship on the ground. You need to live through some stuff and no matter what happens, you can be like David did. David did after his son died. It says, I need to go to the house and worship. Why? Because that's the only place I got to go. That's the only way to get through it. Where else am I going to go? And he knew worship has got me this far. Worship is going to get me to the place I need to. No matter what's happening in my life, no matter who died or who got divorced or, or what sickness happened to this kid or, or what situation happened with this family and what's going on at church, no matter what, he's still worthy of my worship. And you need to be strong enough in yourself to realize that on your worst days, you can still lift your hands up and God will meet you there because true worship is an expressiveness to God and say, God, you're still good. You're still faithful. You're still loving. You're still kind. You're still worth my worship no matter what. And when you do that, God's presence will fill the place that you're in. But you always are not going to feel it. You're going to have to step out because he's worth it and worship God. Did you guys get something today? Could you stand up a moment? Let's get the whole praise team to come up. I'm going to read one last verse to you. And then we're going to sing a song of worship and we're going to practice. Can we do that? Can we practice today? We're going to sing a song of worship and we're going to practice. And I want, I want all of us to focus in our hearts and our minds. And let's just take one full worship song and just focus on him. Maybe you haven't done this before, but we're going to practice today in a moment. We're going to give him worship. Because if you can do this here, you can do this in your car. You can do this at your house. You can do this on your walk. You can do this anytime, day or night. And you can worship him. But let me read a, a verse for you, and I just want you to listen to this. Psalm 34 in the Message Bible. If we could pull that up. I love this verse. It says, I bless God every chance I get. My lungs expand with his praise. I live and breathe God. If things aren't going well, hear this and be happy. Join me in spreading the news together. Let's get the word out. God met me more than halfway. He freed me from my anxious fear. Look at him. Give him your warmest smile. Never hide your feelings from him. When I was desperate, I called out. And God got me out of a tight spot. God's angels set up a circle of protection around us while we pray. Now listen to these last two verses. Open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who are unto him. Worship God if you want the best. Worship opens doors to all his goodness. Hear me today. Worship God if you want his best. Worship opens doors to all his goodness. So let's worship. Let's sing. I believe some, some doors of goodness are going to be open to you today as a church. 
We're going to focus in on him in this song. I really want you to sing. If you never lifted your hands, maybe try it. In your heart, I want you to connect with God right now. We're just going to practice this as a church family. And when we do that, I believe God's presence is going to fill this room and minister to a lot of you in here that need help right now. Just like he did at summer camp, just like he did so many other times. Because when we worship, his presence comes in and it changes things. It moves things. The verse said, worship God if you want his best. Worship opens all the doors to his goodness. Thank you, Father. Can we just lift our hands for a second before we start this song? Father, we thank you today. We love you today. We come boldly into your presence. We come surrender to you. And we thank you. We're going to be worshipers. We're going to be true worshipers as a church, as people, as families. We're going to be those worshipers you're looking for that worship you in spirit and in truth with everything we got. We thank you for it today. Thank you for your presence moving. Thank you for your presence opening doors that we cannot open. And your goodness being poured out upon us today. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for your spirit in this place. Thank you for your power in this place. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We worship you today. We honor you today. We love you today. We express our worship to you. We express our love to you today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're moving. Thank you that you're helping us. Thank you that you're changing things. In the name of Jesus. so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.